0: Well, church, open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We've been reading about the beginning of the church, the incredible growth of the believers from 120 to thousands, countless thousands. We also read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the scripture that says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. Well, so the believers had received the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've learned so far. And then we learned that they were out and they were healing people. They were helping people. They were doing what God had commanded them to do through Jesus Christ. There was growth. But here's the thing. With growth, like I said last week, there was Persecution. It seemed that as faith in Jesus Christ grew, opposition to Jesus Christ also grew. Jesus had told his disciples, this should have been no surprise to his disciples, no surprise to any of us, that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will have opposition. He told his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, he said this, Then you will be arrested, you will be persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Church, some of you have experienced that. Obviously, um, the, the, the killing, the, the, the arresting, the persecution, some of you, you're like, I have no idea what that's going on. It's going on right now. Not maybe here in America, but across the globe. People have died in this past week just because they believe in Jesus Christ. It's happening. A lot of us, we just get laughed at. We're like, oh, they're going to they're gonna make fun of me, so I'm not going to talk about Jesus. For fear of being laughed at, sometimes we clam up. These disciples were told by Jesus, you will be persecuted, you'll be arrested, you'll be killed. Because there's opposition there. First, it started with the apostles as they were arrested. And then the church leaders. If you remember last week, we talked about Stephen. Stephen was a church leader. He was the first to be murdered for his faith. And sometimes we say, did his death matter? I believe it did. You'll hear stories, and there's one that took place in 1956. It took place in the jungles of Ecuador. You maybe hear the name of Jim Elliott and his four other missionary friends that were killed by the native Indians. But his wife, Elliot, uh, went on to share so much more about how their faith mattered. Who was behind all this? Well, obviously it was Satan, Right. But there's a gentleman by the name of Saul that stood in the background as Stephen was being stoned, sort of applauding it. And he was the one that then pursued the Christians, trying to take them out. Spoiler alert, okay? Spoiler alert. If you come in next week, you're going to find out that he changes, okay? Saul changes. He becomes a good man. Um, you'll hear more um, about, about his conversion next week, life-changing experience, but Let's pick up in verse 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, But all the believers, or the believers who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, told the people about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Can you imagine? I mean, your city, you've never really heard of Jesus Christ. This gentleman shows up and he starts telling you about Jesus Christ. People who were demonic, people who were lame, people who were sick are getting healed. There's change going on in their life. And there was incredible joy just swelling up in this city. And here's the thing, though. When the persecution came, it went from being a, a rough situation to a very radically rough situation. They were being haunted, and so they had to leave Jerusalem. That's why Philip is in Samaria. Remember the command? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the world, right? Here it starts. Jesus commanded it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now we're seeing it fulfilled. And wherever you go, wherever they went, they were supposed to preach the good news, sharing what Jesus did. And church, i want to share with you that that's what happened then and that's what's supposed to happen now. Sharing about Jesus Christ is not just the job of the pastor. Some people think, well, it's the pastor's job to preach, to share the word, to share the truth, to share about Jesus Christ. You are correct in that, but here's the thing. So others will say the role of the pastor, according to scripture, is to teach and to equip the body. My role is to teach you about God's word, to equip you, to prepare you so that you can be the evangelist. I believe we're all evangelists. Maybe you say, well, that's not my gift. You don't have to have the gift to tell people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them. That's all of our responsibility. That's all of our roles. So in Acts 1.8, when it says the Holy Spirit comes upon us, church, if you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have God's spirit in you, you are now equipped to go tell people about Jesus. You have a story. Go share your story. According to James Boyce, he's a theologian, and a, he's written a lot of commentaries, he says there's, there's two different kinds of words used up here. If you look at Acts chapter eight, verse four, it says that the believers who were, they were scattered. Now this scattering has two different words. The first word is this: If I were to say to go out on an ocean liner and I was take the ashes of, of, of somebody in my family that has passed away, and I took those ashes and I scattered them out into the ocean. That's one use of the word scatter. It's to take something that's just going to disappear. I scattered it, it disappears. The second usage of this word that the Greeks used was a scattering to plant. They would scatter seed, it would fall into the ground, and it would be planted. That's the word that's used here in this scripture. The believers were, were scattered due to Persecution. They would, have, they would have just stayed in Jerusalem. They probably would have. It's, it's a great place. When I was in college, I loved my college. When I graduated, I was like, if we could just have a little Taylorville or something like that, we could just all just stay together. But here's the thing, we graduated. We had to scatter. Here in this situation, the disciples, like when the apostles and all the believers, like we have an awesome church going, right? Let's just keep our church together. But persecution came and they were scattered, but they were scattered like seed to be planted elsewhere, the believers, as they went, they, because of an unpleasant situation, were now able to plant something positive. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Many of you have gone through tough times in life. you faced opposition in various ways. It could have been an argument at work. It could be a situation at home. It could be uh, maybe as a coach or teacher disciplining a student or a player. It could be for some of you that have been sick or injured and you've been in hospitals, you've been in doctor's offices. For some reason, something bad happened to you and it caused you to go somewhere you really didn't want to go or you weren't planning to be. That's called a scattering. You've been scattered so that you can plant. I often hear people, like, you know what? I was in the doctor's office and I was able to share with my nurse about my faith. What a beautiful moment. nobody wants to be in the doctor's office. Nobody wants to be in having surgery. Nobody wants to go through chemo. Nobody wants to go through that, right? We have people in our church that are going through that right now. It's a hard time. But what if that situation you went through, what if, and there's people in in this church, you've come from various other churches. There's some of you that you're, you're having rough times at home and you had to leave. What if you had to leave those places to be where you're at to share God's word? the disciples would have loved to stay in Jerusalem. I mean, these these men would have loved to stay in one place, but because of something bad, they had to leave. And when they left, they're like, now I get to share Jesus with wherever I go. makes us think about maybe where you're at right now. You may not like where you're at right now, but what if God put you there, not only to heal, but also to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only was this a difficult time, Uh, But there's something going on here with a different ethnic background. About 750 years before all this, there's a group called Assyrians. They went into the northern part of Israel. They basically captured northern Israel. And they took all these middle class and high class Jews and deported them out of the country. And then they took a bunch of other people from another country and brought those people in and sort of had them intermingle and intermarry with the Jews, the lower class Jews. These people are called Samaritans. They were a race that was considered half-breeds. They were corrupted. And therefore, they didn't know how to worship the true God. So as we read through the New Testament many times, you see like the disciples, Jesus like, well, we're going to go through. Remember he talked to the woman at the well, the Samaritan? The disciples wanted to go around Samaria. They didn't want to go through that part. There was that kind of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And look where Philip goes. Because Jesus had worked in him, there's no room in his heart for prejudice. Because it's now filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to go to a place that everybody else looked down on, at people that were looked down on, and he's like, God's called me to go talk to him. Just ask any one of the students who were um, on that mission trip when they had to walk the streets of Charlotte and hand out water to people who looked very different from them. It was hard, it was uncomfortable for some of them. Some of them were very anxious. right? Because we don't do that around here, right? In the same way, Philip's like, God has removed the prejudice from my heart. He's filled it with love. I need to go wherever He wants me to go, even if it's to the Samaritans. And it seemed that in the same passage, we, we, we meet a couple of interesting people, at least Philip does. The first one, his name is Simon. He was a sorcerer, a magician. He had all kinds of magic tricks impressed people with. Now in, in the Bible, if you look up anything with sorcery, it's usually associated with occults, magical practices, often with a, a taking of mind and mood-altering drugs. It's all in there, right? Well whatever real power Simon had, it was not from God. And he sees Philip come in, and Philip comes in and he starts performing all these miracles. And he's like stepping back and watching Philip perform these miracles like, wow. First of all, everybody's now going to Philip. They're not coming to me to see all the magic I can do. Second of all, people's lives are different. There's, he's got some real power, right? Simon was no longer getting that attention. He's listening to, to Philip and his message. And all of a sudden it says in Scripture that Simon believed and was baptized. He begins to follow Philip. He's listening. He's watching. This is good news, right? This is exciting. And the apostles, they had heard about what was happening in Samaria. So Peter and some of those other apostles, they come on down and they meet up with Philip. They arrive and they're looking like, have you prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon these people? Let's pray and the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And they pray and the Holy Spirit comes upon these, these new believers. And all of a sudden, Philip's like, I want that too. I want that power because here's a guy who was walking around with these certain powers, right? So he wants a little bit of that action. Well, we read in verse 18 and 19. Follow with me, would you please? Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 18. It says this. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Can you imagine that? Hey, Peter, I'll pay you to give me some of that power that you got, right? He goes, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. The question is here, was Simon truly repenting for his sinful life and seeking a new following of Jesus? Or was he more interested in having power and people following him? Well, Peter saw right through Simon. Look what happens in verse 20. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness. Pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you of your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and you're held captive by sin. God had given, uh, through his Holy Spirit, had given Peter the ability to look into the heart of Simon and say, you're not right here. And I want to I stop this now before you go on thinking this is the way life is supposed to be, right? It appears Simon maybe didn't really have the Holy Spirit for himself, but he just wanted that power to impart that upon other people. Again, it was this desire for something else for his own personal ends is what it appeared. And Peter let him know it. Look at verse 24. It says that Simon was seeking repentance but if you look in verse 24 and you read it, it's, here's the thing. He was praying, he's saying, Peter, you know, could you pray for me? Instead of himself praying and asking for forgiveness, which we don't know, we weren't there. But he says he instructs the apostles to pray for him. The door of repentance and getting uh, the right heart with God was open to Simon. If he'd only take it, Peter couldn't do it for him. And I've I've seen that today. I've heard that today. Pastor, will you pray for me? Uh, Yes, I will pray for you. But only you can pray for forgiveness of sins for yourself. Going to a pastor, going to a priest, going to a saint, going to somebody else and saying, would you forgive me, does nothing but seeking forgiveness from that person. You want to get right with God? You got to pray directly to God. Simon needed to pray directly to God, not to the apostles. I'm so thankful for 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. God promises you, church, that when you pray to him and ask for forgiveness, he forgives. I think Peter wanted Simon to know that. Well, Philip wasn't done. After that moment, that encounter, God says, I got another mission for you. We read in verse 25 that after testifying and preaching the word in Samaria, God sends this angel to fill up with another assignment. Now, can you imagine this for a moment? So for some of you that were on a mission trip, let's say you all came home last week. You get home, you settle in, and an angel shows up at your house, all 21 of you. You're, you're in your own homes, and the angel shows up and says, I got another assignment for you. What do you do? Will you respond? Will you go right out? Will you be obedient? Well, it happened here. Look at verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside, beside the carriage. Look at verse 30. But Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? First of all, understand this. Philip was in a good situation in Jerusalem, right? So now he goes into another land, which is not his own, because he's been scattered planting the seeds of God, he now said, oh, by the way, I want you to go down a desert road. There's two roads that went the direction he was told to take the desert road. It sounds foolish from a man's perspective because I don't like taking desert roads. I don't like loneliness or isolation. I don't like rough situations. It sounds uncomfortable to me. But Philip went. As he went, he sees this Ethiopian this Ethiopian eunuch who's one of power, he, he would have been sort of a celebrity in, in that day. He had a lot of success, but he also had a lot of questions, which I love about this, because sometimes we judge people like, oh, they probably don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. They, they probably have no interest. They're really successful, or they're really powerful, or they're really smart, or, or they're, you know, go ahead and fill in the blank, whatever it is, and you're like, I don't know if I could talk to them. Philip's looking at this person who's very successful, and, and he's like, I'm going, Right? He just goes running after him, heading out of Samaria, as he runs towards that carriage, which right away reminded me of our trip again in Charlotte when Ryan Lamb is with a couple of the girls in the youth group. We were down at Salvation Army, a place where they house like 300 homeless people every night, and people are sitting outside just waiting to get in, and it's hot. We're handing out bottled water. We're praying with them, and then across the street is a gentleman. Uh, I think somebody maybe already talked to him, but anyway, this gentleman gets up off the bench and just starts walking away, and here comes Ryan and a couple girls running past us and say, we gotta go, and they're running. They're running that direction. I asked Ryan why, and he's like, I felt like God was saying, go talk to that man. That's the first thing. I picture Philip here running by that carriage, and there goes Ryan just running after these high school girls, trying to keep up with them to chase down this gentleman just to tell him about Jesus and to pray with him. Philip hears the Spirit of God. He was bold, right? The question is, are we that way? When you see an opportunity to share Jesus, do we hesitate and sit back, or like, let's go, let's go? He observes the man sitting there and he asks one question. One question. Do you understand what you're reading? Church, you do not have to go to Bible school. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to take a bunch of courses. You don't have to give a three point sermon on how to know who Jesus is in your life. You just got to share your story. Maybe ask a simple question. And that's all Phil did. Phil's like, Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch is like, No clue. He is reading out of a script or a scroll from Isaiah. It was actually Isaiah 53, 7, 8. It says he was led like sheep to a slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shears, he would not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. And he's like, Who is this? Philip's like, That's my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And he went on and told this Ethiopian. About Jesus, You know, sometimes we focus on what we must do for God, sort of like what you're hearing from me. That's okay. But the gospel begins with and is founded upon what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. As much as it's important for me to say, let's go do this for Jesus, first we need to know what Jesus did for us. And that's what Philip did. Philip looked at that eunuch and said, this is what Jesus did for you. Oh, and it changed. It changed him. As they're moving forward in the chariot, they drive by a body of water. And right away he's like, stop the chariot. And they stop the chariot. He's like, can I get baptized right now? And, and Philip was like, no. See, first we need a baptismal class. And then we're going to go sit through a couple hours. And, and you need to change your clothes. And so do you have baptismal clothes to wear? Okay, that didn't happen, right? What did Philip do? Let's go. They went in the water. And he baptized them right there on the spot. You know, it's funny when you look at these stories. The difference between the two people Philip meets, Simon and the eunuch. I mean, Simon wanted power. Things that, you know, would wow other people, right? A life that would cause others to look at him. And the eunuch, he just wanted a a power that began in Simon and would change him from the inside out. Well, what happens next is is something pretty amazing. And you just sort of wonder, is God just showing off now? Look Look at verse 39 with me. When he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Exodus. He preached the good news there in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Can you imagine being that eunuch? You just got baptized. You're coming out of the water, and you're looking around, and I was like, wait, where'd Philip go? Maybe he's drowned. I don't know. We don't know. But it's like God just snatched him away and he was gone, off to his next spot. Now, did the, Phil, did the eunuch cry? Did he weep? It's like, oh, my life is in ruins because this man who shared Jesus with me, he's gone. No, you know, he went on his way rejoicing. You know why? Because his faith was in Jesus Christ, not in Philip. I don't know what happened next as Philip went on sharing from one place to another. But here's what happened again. God took not just the apostles, but the church, scattered them so that they could plant, so they could share Jesus Christ with anyone and everyone. It's really simple. We learned from last week with Stephen, be bold, right? With Philip, it's just being obedient. You want me to go where? Okay, I'll go. And maybe put a little emphasis in there with maybe a little run instead of a walk, right? Right? And then the other thing is, just ask questions. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you, do you understand that story? And maybe you can learn together, but you have a conversation with somebody. And look where it led to. Worship team, would you come forward, please? So church, we've been given the good news. We've been given this incredible good news. And here's the thing. It starts with us understanding the good news. If, if you're not in the Bible, you need to get in the Bible. I shared with First Service, I said, here's the difference between getting in the Bible and not getting in the Bible. Some people like to cool off in the summer. Some people are people who just go out to the pool and they lay on top of the little floaty, on top of the water. They're like, I'm just chilling, I'm cooling. And then there's the guy who likes to cannonball into the water, okay? You know what I'm saying? That person likes to really get in. Here's the thing about God's word. If you just want to lay on top of it and skim on it, you aren't going to get cooled off. You aren't going to learn. But if you dig into it and you dive into it like a cannonball, you will get wet, okay? You will learn. And, and that's the only way we learn. And when we get into God's word, we are equipped. And with God's spirit, we are empowered. And it's like, I don't know if I can go on and be a Philip. God's not asking you to be Philip. He's asking you to be you. And you might be in a place that you've been scattered to because of something rotten in your life. Do you ever think that maybe God planted you there for a purpose? Maybe you heard this morning, not just that, but maybe you heard like, because I've often, I always, I always hear this, gay. Every time I hear this, it's like, I don't want to do everything with God, but I don't want to go to Africa, right? I always hear that. It's like, no, I don't want to go halfway around the world. But what if He is calling you to go there? Will you go? What is He asking you to do? Who is God telling you to start a conversation with? Where is God telling you to preach the good news? Because He is. Just listen, He's telling you, He's equipped you. You're all evangelists in here. Okay, if I could dub you this morning, I would. I, I can't do that. But his spirit has. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for your, your word. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for truth. I thank you for the, the horrible persecution that these apostles went through that caused them and the whole church to scatter because if they would have just stayed in Jerusalem, we wouldn't have people in heaven that we have now. We wouldn't have people that would have changed lives like we have now. The Bible would be a very short book. But because of their obedience and their courage, they, they, they were scattered and they, they shared you with everyone they met. Lord, we don't know what happened to Simon. We we weren't there. But you know. We do have a good ending for the eunuch. We don't even know his name. But he is in your presence right now. And he's probably so thankful that Philip took time just to ask one question. So God, I pray that maybe we can be like the apostles, like the church leaders, like the people of the church that were that were planted in different places. Help us, Lord, to be bold. Help us to be obedient. Help us to ask simple questions. Lord, help us to open our mouths and share the good news. That you are a God who loves us. Sin has separated us from you, but your son Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead to conquer sin, to conquer death, to give us eternal life when we place our faith in Him thank you for that good news Heavenly Father there's somebody here this morning that's never heard that This is the first time they ever heard that there's a God who loves them Lord I pray right now whoever that is that they hear it again God loves you He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die just for you His love for you is incredible nothing Nothing in this world can separate you from God's love. If you're in here this morning and you've never received forgiveness of your sins, you can pray to him right now and ask him, God, forgive me for my sins. Just pray it to him. Come into my life. Save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. Just pray that simple prayer. Use your own words those of us in here that have prayed that prayer or a similar prayer, and we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ for all of us, what is God telling you to do now with that life? Who do you need to go share the good news with? Be obedient. Be courageous. Go ask questions. Go share the truth. It's a good story. It's God's story. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to sing to you now. In the name we pray. Amen.